God, thank you for your presence that we can feel here. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint this message, anoint this message. And Lord, give those that are listening hearing ears so that they can absorb the word into their hearts and change to be more like you. Amen. This week, I was very privileged to hear two wonderful chapel messages. The first from Dr. Gary Stores on Monday, and then from Reverend Joe Warrington on Tuesday. And I want to just put a plug in right now for tonight's service with um, Professor Attic. So if you want to come, then you want to hear that. Um, this morning, my message is more of a simple story. When I spoke previously in chapel, I mentioned my mother, and uh, she was an excellent storyteller. And she followed the example of Jesus, who often spoke in parables and stories. And today my story is David and Goliath. Oh, but it's so much more than a story. Just like Jesus had a purpose behind all of his illustrations, so the other stories here in the Bible are here for a very definite purpose. Second Timothy tells us, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right, and God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. So, what can I tell you about David and Goliath that you don't already know? Um, he was a young shepherd boy, and he came to check on his older brothers who were out fighting with the Israelite army. Then this huge giant from the, op the opposing team, the opposing army, the Philistines, comes out and challenges anybody to fight him to a duel. And of course, he insults the Israelite army. He insults their, insults their God. Um, and the rest of the army ran off and hid with fear. But not David. David said, let me at him. He said, I know that God can help me to defeat this giant. So King Saul heard about it, and after trying to discourage David, he tried to get David to wear his armor. The armor, of course, didn't fit, and David chose to fight dressed just as he was, armed with only a sling, the weapon of a shepherd. So the giant saw him coming, taunted him, laughed. Who was this? little punk kid. But David got the last laugh. He killed Goliath. As you know, he hit him in the head with a stone from his sling. And God helped David to defeat the giant that day. So, if scripture is here and is provided to teach and to equip and to prepare, Obviously, this story is to get us ready to meet nine-foot giants 
who want to fight us in battle? Perhaps. <laughs> but as I delve into this scripture, it doesn't appear that the overt challenge from, David, from Goliath was the only giant that David faced. <clears throat> I have the same problem with Gary. I have a little bit of morning throat. Um, verses of 1 through 11 of 1 Samuel 17 give us the setup of this story. So let's begin with 1 Samuel 17, verse 12. Now David was the son of an Ephraimite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. And Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was already old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. The verses we just read describe David being directed by his father to visit his brothers in the army. My question is, what was David doing at home? Why was he in Bethlehem? Shouldn't he have been in the palace playing music for the king? Shouldn't he have been with all the glamour and excitement that went on in that location? We don't know the circumstances that took David from the palace back to shepherding. But it may have been different, difficult for David to return to the mundane, to being the errand boy for his family, to being constantly reminded that he was the youngest brother of eight, the baby of the family. It could have been that David felt that that was a loss of position. And sometimes we have that giant too. It appears that our situation is devaluing. It's easy at that point to give in to the giant of pride. I'm better than this situation. Or envy. Those people in the palace, they just have it so good. Or despair. Why is this happening to me? But it was when he was shepherding that David practiced the behavior that would stand him in this fight against Goliath. He honed his skill with the sling. He faced the lions and the bears that would give evidence to Saul that he could fight. He built up experiences that he could look back on and say, if God helped me then, God can help me right now. 
And in addition, David used this change from the hustle and bustle of the palace to the quiet hillside to renew and strengthen his relationship with God. All of us are looking at upcoming changes in our circumstances, and they probably look like giants. Do we trust God that he can direct us? Are we willing to go where he is going to lead us, even if it seems lesser than where we are right now? God uses our giants to prepare us for great tasks. It's not who you are, excuse me, it's not where you are, but who you are, a person of faith that matters. The next giant was rebuke from family and friends. Let's look at verses 20 to 33. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other, and David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. And down to 26, and David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they'd been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, David said. Can't I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else, brought up the same manner, and the men answered him as before. And what David heard was, or what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. You're only a boy, and he has been a fighting man since his youth. What is more discouraging than having those close to us, or like the older brother, or those who are experienced, like King Saul, rebuke us and say things, criticisms to us that just crush us and crush our spirits? Look at verse 28 again. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking, he burned with anger and said, why have you come down here? 
And with whom did you leave those few sheep that you're supposed to be watching? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. I translate that to, don't you know your place? Maybe Samuel anointed you, and maybe you were in the palace for a little while, but the only thing you're good for is watching sheep. And you're not even doing that right now. Discouragement. Has Satan whispered in your ear? Or maybe even shouted? You've never done this before under these circumstances. You're too old. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. You're too whatever to change now and to take on this challenge. Go home. Give up. No. Don't be discouraged. David's answer to his brother was a soft, what have I done? And behind it, David knew that he had left his father's sheep in good care and that he was where he was at under the direction of his earthly father and probably under the direction of his heavenly father. He was in the right and he didn't let discouragement set in, but turned away to somebody else and asked that very same question. David persisted. That's what I want to do. That's what I want you to do. Don't allow criticism to divert or discourage you from where God is calling you or even shipwreck your faith. And then David appears before the king. And Saul says, you aren't able to do this. You're only a boy. The challenge to both of these is directly to David's faith. Was David's God really big enough to meet this challenge? Our challenges are the same. They may be wrapped differently, but they're still a challenge directly to our faith. Look at David. He knew that he had faced this challenge previously. In that challenge, it was in the form of a bear and a lion. He had faced the adversary, and he had won. He answered the king with the assurance that God doesn't ever rely on human ability. God is just looking for willing hearts. And David knew, with God's help, he could continue to defeat the enemy. Most of us can look back over our lives and we can see where God has helped us previously, where God has prepared us for what we have been doing, for what we're doing today. And if we remain faithful, God can use our circumstances today to prepare us for even greater things tomorrow. Right now, as you trust God, God is working out good plans for your life. So, when Saul couldn't stop David with discouragement, then he tried to get David attired in his own armor. According to the scriptures, Saul stood head and shoulders above anybody else in Israel. So, if you were going to send Israel's greatest warrior to fight against the Philistines' greatest warrior, you would have thought it would have been Saul. 
Now, most, most scholars agree that by providing this armor to David, Saul was trying to get some of the credit if the, if the giant was defeated. Now, note that David wasn't against trying on this armor. Um, perhaps God had even prepared this for him for protection at this time. I want you to note, it's not a sin to explore options. But David was wise enough and in tune with God enough to realize that this armor, this covering, this protection, just was not suited for him. It didn't fit. David was practiced with the sling, not the sword, not the javelin. He was used to running fleet of foot, not encumbered by the weight of the coat of armor or the bronze helmet, the tunic, the sword. Can you just, can you just feel that weight? <laughs> Uh, but David didn't face God without armor. He had on the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith. He didn't need Saul's armor. He had God's armor. The sin would have been to listen to the giant of fear, the fear of harm to himself, and yet he chose not to rely on man's solutions and not to let the glory that belonged to the heavenly king be shared with the earthly king. When you're facing your giants, don't be afraid. Pick up your weapons. Pick up scripture. Pick up prayer. Bask in the thought that God loves you and that his perfect love casts out fear. So let's look one more time at those giants that were lurking. The giant of unfair criticism. The giant of loss of position. The giant of the boss's lack of confidence. Reliance on human solutions. And yet, in addition to all of these, there is still that in-your-face giant Goliath. So let's look at that for a moment. The Israelites were God's people. God had promised he would go with them. He never told them there'd be no battles. What he promised was that he would fight for them. So show of hands, how many people here thought that when you became Christians, there would be no more complications in your life. <laughs> oh, you've obviously forgotten Christ's words. In this world, you will have trouble. So what happened to the Israelite army and all the promises they had got? I think the first thing that happened was the loss of perspective. They looked directly at that problem, that giant, and pretty soon, that was all they saw. Unless we can get our vision back to God and see not the big picture of the giant, but the bigger picture of God past the challenge, we'll be defeated. So let's try an illustration. 
I want everybody here to hold your hands out in front of you with your, with your palms touching, okay? Now, you can see your hands, but you can also see everything else in the room to both sides of them. Now, bring your hands to your face until they're touching your nose. And just about all you can see is your hands. You can put them down. That's exactly what happens when we focus only on the problem. That's what happened to the Israelites. That's what happens to us. We lose our perspective, and all we can see is the adversary. P.L. Liddell often said, you are not discouraged unless the situation you face seems bigger than the God you serve. How big is your God? David didn't have his vision only on the giant. He saw the God behind the giant. And a little later in this chapter, verse 47 states, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you, the giant, to us. Expand your vision. Take your hands away from your face and refocus on God who can handle the situation. The second thing that happened to this army was groupthink. So verse 11 reads, When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and they were deeply shaken. The entire Israelite army, including the king, told themselves and told each other, that this could never be done. As you move forward, remember, it's very difficult to act in opposition of the people you surround yourself with. Sometimes you need to make that difficult decision. Sometimes you need to choose to go alone. After the failed attempt of Saul to discourage David, and then to provide him with his armor, David ended up going out on his own. Perhaps it was with a, a sling and a prayer, <laughs> but he wasn't on his own. He came in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And when you face your giants, you need to remember you're not alone either. The Lord of heaven's army goes with you. He who is with us is greater than he who is against us. Whatever your giant is, God is greater. God will give the victory. God does give the victory today and in the future. 48 through 50 lists the defeat of the giant Goliath. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, and reaching into this bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The, so the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. 
So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a sword, a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and he killed him. Jesus wins. Amen? David overwhelmingly defeated Goliath, and after that, the Israelite army routed the rest of the Philistine army. God gave the victory to the one who trusted in him. You and I are going to have challenges, giants in our life. In fact, we have them right now. They may appear direct and in your face like Goliath, or they may be challenges of circumstances, rebukes from family or friends, or people trying to coerce you into their method of dealing with life. There's a variety of forms, but the same challenge. Do you trust God or not? God prepares us for battle. God goes with us into battle. And through each challenge, God gives the victory. Eventually, what we're all waiting for is the final and ultimate victory. Amen? And scripture promises, promises a time when God will defeat all our enemies and reign with peace and justice. However, until that time, we need to stay prepared, keep our eyes focused on Christ, and go with God alone, and trust that he will give the victory. With him, you can face any giant, always. Amen. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'd like to close this by having Dr. Haynes come up and just lead us in the chorus. Um, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and following that, you are dismissed. <laughs>